David Sparks and Mike Schmitz spent their careers working for the establishment. Now they've had enough. They've rebelled against the status quo and are now seeking success on their terms. They are free agents. Welcome back to Free Agents, a podcast about being an independent worker in a digital age. I'm David Sparks, and I'm joined by my new fellow co-host, Mr. Mike Schmitz. Hi, Mike. Hey, David. So, everybody, uh, the new co-host is here, Mike Schmitz. Uh, Mike is a writer and podcaster. He does a lot of work over at Asian Efficiency. He does screencasts for screencasts online. He's an author. He's written a book. Uh, podcaster on things like Bookworm and the Productivity Show. But I've known Mike for quite a while, and he's just a really sharp guy and super passionate about helping people. Uh, Mike's got his own kind of free agent journey. He's a little earlier on the path than uh, than Jason was and me, frankly. But I think that's kind of cool, too. So I'm really excited about having Mike on the show. And uh, when Jason decided it was, you know, his time was up, uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about who I'd bring in, and Mike just always came to the top of the list. So, Mike, thank you so much for joining me on The Free Agents. Absolutely. I am very excited to join the podcast. I feel like I've got some pretty big digital shoes to fill, but I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't, don't think of yourself as filling Jason Snell's shoes. That is not something really any of us can do. <laughs> right, the, right. Uh, and, but it, and I'll, I'll tell the listeners, Mike told me before he started that he's kind of nervous about this. So you guys got to like... You know, give him some love in the comments or whatever, because he's a great guy. <laughs> uh, but I thought today uh, we're, we've got some format changes for the show. We're, we're going to try and uh, change things up a bit, but not a lot. Uh, and we're going to tell you all about that at the end of this episode. But for today, um, I thought maybe we should all get to know Mike a little bit better. So, uh, Mike, tell us a little bit about your free agent story and uh, how you got started. Sure. I want to preface this a little bit because like I told you, David, when you reached out to me about the idea of joining the show that I was a little bit hesitant at first because I'm not a true quote unquote free agent. I've not stuck it to the man, left a big corporate job, and now I'm living the dream independently. But I'm living the parts of it that I want to live. And I think that that's kind of unique. And it also is going to bring some perspective for people who listen to the show who maybe aren't free agents. In fact, prior to this show, I was listening to uh, some of the other shows that you had published just to get feel for exactly how the format's going to go. In episode 47, you had a guy, I think his name is Paul, who wrote in and he says, I'm a, I'm a 52-year-old person who's never going to be a free agent, but I can apply a lot of the stuff that you talk about here and I can live my version of the dream, basically. Uh, and I think that that's kind of what I've done. <laughs> no, yeah. So, and, and let's, you know, not men's words here. You, you're a hustler, Mike. You've got, you're doing work for like four or five different companies. Uh, to put bread on the table. So <laughs> I think you're a free agent, whether you want to admit it or not. But uh, I do understand that you you didn't work for IBM. In fact, you started working in a family business, right? Yep, that's right. So I grew up in a small family business. Uh, it's a software company that was never really big. It was probably at most about 10 to 15 people. And it's been about that for like the last 30 years or so uh, since my dad started it way back when in the, the farmhouse in a small town in Wisconsin. In fact, I've always had an affinity for technology. I've loved computers since I was really little. We sold software to special education. He used to bring me on his, uh, on his presentations and bring a, you know, an Apple IIe, set it up in the, the corner of the room. I'm three years old at the time. He's presenting to a bunch of teachers who think that special education students are never going to be able to figure this out. And I'm sitting over there 
booting the software and running it myself and it just blew them away. So it was, it was kind of cool because I, I grew up in this stuff. I loved this stuff. And I really liked working in the family business because I really liked making a positive impact in people's lives. So you were, you were running the command line at three? That, that's impressive, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, I was, I was uh, I, building websites since I was like 10 years old. Basically, as soon as you, you could do that sort of thing, like that was just interesting to me. I grew up, like the computers were right there. There was a copy machine in our, our kitchen. <laughs> there were Apple IIe's, 2GS, the, the, the uh, Mac SE when it came out. Like we had all that stuff right there. And um, when everybody left for the day, I would go down and I would I would play with the stuff and I just I just loved it. So so your family has a software business. You love software. It seems like a natural fit. Why aren't you doing that now? Well, I my role in the family business evolved uh, over the years. And when I first started working, quote unquote, with the the family business, I was creating videos and things like that, and uh, I enjoyed that. Um, as I I went to college. I, I went to St. Norbert College in De Pere, Wisconsin, which is near Green Bay. It's a small liberal arts college. Got a business degree. And I came back and started working at the, the family business. I was doing primarily sales for quite a while. And it was okay. Um, it was something that I was able to do. And if you looked at it on the surface, you would say that I was pretty good at it. But it wasn't something that I really enjoyed. And I found myself a lot of times like, not wanting to pick up the phone and make the calls, <laughs> which is my first clue that this really wasn't a great fit. And unfortunately, like that's what was required, especially in a small business where you've got to make sales to pay the bills. Um, it, you just got to do what you've got to do sometimes. And that kind of wore on me. There's also a, a dynamic with working with a family business that you don't have when you work in a, a bigger company. Uh, I personally just didn't like the fact that every time I got together with my family, the discussion was always about business. My wife and I got married. We started having kids and I wanted to just be able to go hang out and my mom and dad could hang out with their grandparents or grandkids and not have to talk about, you know, what's going on at the, at the office, which that just kind of dominated. And I know that it is possible to create those distinctions, but it's, it's hard. And, uh, I just decided after a while that this really wasn't a great fit for me anymore. I wasn't feeling challenged. I wasn't growing like I wanted to. And so I started, like you mentioned, uh, I'm a hustler. <laughs> uh, I started getting up uh, at 5 a.m. to write because I got this crazy idea that I was going to write a book. And I had never written anything before. I didn't like English class growing up. Uh, so it was kind of weird that you know I had this this dream, quote unquote, to, to write this book. But uh, I was looking at my current situation. I'm, I'm at the office from eight till five. We're involved with our, our church, We've got extracurricular activities. Kids are in stuff. So only time I've got to work with is early in the morning. And uh, I just decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to embrace some, some of these productivity strategies that I've picked up from other places, including one of the places in Asian efficiency where I'm product director now. <laughs> Uh, but I was going to get up early and I was going to just consistently show up every day and I was going to write. And uh, I did that for a little while, got in a, got in a habit. And uh, that's the thing that not only allowed me to publish the book, but just the process of doing that is what got me connected with the Asian Efficiency Company. And then from there, that opened up a lot of doors to a lot of the other things that I'm currently doing. Yeah. I mean, we talk often on the show about, you know, if you're thinking about making a move, 
uh, that you start with that side hustle. You know, you start with something. Don't just quit your job. First, get something rolling on the side. And that's exactly what you did. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't have to be something that you're absolutely sure this is the thing I'm going to do forever. It just has to be something that in the back of your mind, you have questions about. And if you entertain that long enough, eventually it gets to the point, for me anyways, where the pain of not doing it hurts more than the pain of getting up early and doing it. <laughs> no, I, I totally get that. And and you uh, minimize the fact that you worked for a family business as opposed to like a jobby job. But in, in some ways, I think that could be a lot harder to leave than a jobby job. You know, like it took me 22 years to figure it out. And I think you did it quite a bit faster than I did. And, and you had to deal with the the angst of, you know, telling your dad, you know, this family business you've been building presumably for your children all these years, I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. I mean, I know that was, that was tough for him. Um, really the thing that kind of helped me through that was a podcast that is no longer around anymore. I think it was called Unstuckable. And there was an interview with somebody and I forget the person's name even, but they were in a similar situation that I was where they're struggling. They're like, I'm expected to take this thing over. This is going to be my parents' legacy, and it's not something I really want to do right now anyways. And uh, the what they had said basically was that they came to the realization that they were their dad's legacy, not the business that their dad founded. Um, that was a tipping point in my mind because it was like, yeah, I know that this is going to be difficult for my dad if I walk away from this right now, but... I know that still, like he's proud of the initiative that I'm taking. And I also think that it helped him a lot because he's always been a quote unquote self-made man. He's a hustler too. And uh, he's always been a very good provider. And I think that, you know, even to this day, like he views himself as the provider for his his family, his children, even though all my brothers and, and me are, are grown up and we're doing our own thing. I've got a brother who's a coder for a uh, a, a company out in Silicon Valley. I've got another brother who runs a creative uh, marketing agency. So like on the surface, we're all very successful. And that really is my dad's legacy, not the fact that he created this business. That's the thing that kind of got me over the hump. That's what gave me enough courage, confidence, whatever you want to call it to say, you know, this is really the thing, dad, that I I need to give this a shot. Because uh, I've learned a lot from my dad. My dad's a great man. He instilled a lot of disciplines in me and show me the value of working hard, having a spirit of excellence, everything that you do. But I also learned from working with my dad that as much as he loves me, he can't tell me what I'm here on this earth to do. It's up to me to figure that out. And really no one can tell you this is the thing that you're supposed to do. Even if you look at what is your quote unquote passion, what are your skills, what are you really good at? You have no idea until you try some things because your calling or your vocation has to be discovered. And you may find something like me, you know, when I started to sit down and write, that writing was cool. I, I like this. I'm, I'm, as I do it more and more, I get better at it. But writing isn't even really the, the main thing. I mean, from there, I started creating videos. From there, I started doing webinars. From there, I started speaking. From there, I started podcasting. I mean, like, there's a lot of twists and turns along this journey. But the important thing is that if I never step out in the first place to say, hey, I'm going to try being a writer, I don't discover that stuff. So I want to encourage anybody who's listening to this, you know, if you think like your current situation is pretty good, don't settle for pretty good <laughs> figure out what is the best. One of my favorite authors is Ed Cole. And he said that good is often the enemy of the best because you settle for pretty good and you think this is pretty good. I'm just going to maintain here. I'm going to plateau. 
And I feel like there's a lot of people who they have something bigger inside of them. And I think it's a shame they're robbing themselves and they're robbing the world of their contribution if they don't give it a shot. Yeah. And the challenge always is, you know, especially as you get go on in your life, you have children, you have commitments and, and those things a lot of times in your mind become bigger than, um, you know, getting yourself out of a situation at work. And it's just really hard for people to adjust those things. So I like what Mike did. I mean, you, you said, all right, well, you know, I'm going to start this side hustle. I'm going to wake up early every day. And that was your first step. And you had some success with that book. Yeah. And, uh, the book, I mean, really the thing that, that got me going on the, on the book, and this is kind of the, the common theme in, in everything that I do is that, uh, I take my faith very seriously. I went to Bible college, I actually have a Bible college degree. So my book is a biblical approach to productivity. And another way to say it would be something like stewardship. I believe we've all been given a certain measure of talent, time, whatever. You have certain resources, you have certain dreams, visions that are that are inside of you, regardless of your belief system, and you got to let those things out. But for me, the whole idea of productivity and stewardship, really, this is the spiritual why behind all the productivity things, everything that I do, is I want to make the most of what I've got. I've got a short time here on this earth. I want to make the most of what it is. And it doesn't mean that I am going to walk away from my job and go spend full time. You know, I'm going to be a writer because that's that's all of a sudden the thing. I'm going to start where I am with what I have, but I'm going to do everything in my power to make the most of my time, talent, energy, focus, whatever. Uh, and I think that that's a principle that everybody needs to click into. Like I said, regardless of your belief system, the power of of the why is really really important. If you can figure out why you want to do these things, that's going to provide the motivation for you to stick with it long enough to get some results. So, so Mike, at what point did you get to the tipping point where you said, okay, this needs to be more than a side hustle for me? Yeah, that was, I have in the notes here, the moment of clarity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was on vacation with my family at a lake house and uh, it was like day four of that vacation. And my wife looks at me, we're just hanging around um, at, at the, at the house and I'm enjoying being with my kids. And she says to me just an offhanded comment, but it really hit me. She said, that's the first time I've seen you smile, like really smile in months. And that was kind of like the reality check for me. It caused me to think like, well, I've been happy. Haven't I? Like (laughs) I, that, that can't be true. But as I thought about it, you know, I had been carrying a lot of stress from all the development and stuff that just went along with the business and how we were, were running it and where we were. And you know, like I said, you, there's some things you just, you just got to do. So I had gotten in the mode of this needs to be done. I'm going to do it. And uh, we were working with some developers who were all over the world. So I was checking my email at night. First thing when I woke up in the morning, I was putting out fires pretty much all the time. And I didn't realize the impact that all of that stress was having on me until my wife called it out. And at that point, my eyes were open and I'm like, something's got to change here. So again, like I've got kids, I've got responsibilities, got a mortgage, (laughs) got to put food on the table. So what can I do right now? And for me, it was going back to that dream I had to write that book that I had been suppressing for probably years at that point. I'm like, you know what? This has been there for a long time. I got to give this a shot because who knows where this is going to this is going to lead. Even if it's just a couple hundred bucks, you know, 
uh, it's additional additional income that can that can help get me get me going. Uh, once you start moving, once you create a little bit of energy, I believe that that will carry on, and you have no idea what doors are going to open from that. But I needed to do something. I needed to get the ball rolling, and so I was just going to give this a shot. Eight months later, you know, I'm getting up every day at five a.m. writing, and uh, eight months later, I published my book. During that process, I uh, actually about two weeks after I started writing. Um, I saw on social media that Asian Efficiency was hiring. I approached them not about a job, but about an opportunity to guest post because, like I said, I really wasn't, I really wasn't thinking I was going to leave the family business yet. And uh, they said, well, it's not something we normally do, but if you have anything, send it our way. I had just been blogging for about two weeks, so I sent them my blog and they said, this is really good. We see that a lot of the similar mindsets. We want to give us a shot. So that led to a, a bigger project that led to a, a part-time position. And at that point, you know, I've got some regular income coming in from this side hustle that I had no idea what, I, what was going to happen when I started to sit down and write. Yeah. That gave me the confidence to think like, yeah, I really can do this. And so once you get some momentum in the, the side hustle, that makes it a lot easier to get off of one train and get on another. You know, once you start having some, some success of some sort. And it just does, just takes a little step. My friend Jean McDonald uh, runs the app camp for girls, and it was a, a passion project of hers. She didn't know how to get started, and a friend of hers gave her, I think it was something like $100, and said, look, here's $100. I want you to take one step towards app camp for girls. So what she did was she took $100 to a designer friend, and the designer friend made the little cute owl logo that if you go to app camp for girls, is on their website. And that's what she did. She made a logo. And from there, now you look, it's this massive thing that's in all these cities and helping all these girls learn how to code. And it just takes that step a lot of times. And you don't, you, the, one of the things I think that's, that's inspirational about your story is you didn't start it with the intention of leaving. You just started it because it's something you knew you had to get out of your system. And I think so often that's a, that's such a great vector to get yourself on this path. Yeah, exactly. In my book, I share some of the stuff that I've, I've learned from going to, to Bible college. And one of them is the, the root of the word passion is the Latin word pati, literally means to suffer. So when people say, I've got this passion project, a lot of people think on the outside, they think that that means this is something that's really fun for me. And it's something that I'm just going to do forever because I really enjoy it. But often when you're starting a side hustle, it's not fun at all. It's scary. <laughs> but that passion, that's the thing where like it hurts for you not to, to put this thing out into the world. Like you, To get this thing birthed, whether it's a, a business, a book, whatever, to get this thing out there takes a lot of effort. But passion is being willing to suffer through some things to see that happen. Yeah, that, that, that's the feeling I had when Jason told me, he says, look, I, I think I've got this out of my system. And I realized I didn't, you know, free agents is something that I feel like I have to do. And that's why we're here. But we also have to pay the bills. <laughs> right. So this episode of free agents is brought to you by FreshBooks. To all the freelancers out there, you know how important it is to make smart decisions for your business. And our friends at FreshBooks can save you up to 192 hours, which is a whole lot of hours <laughs> with their cloud accounting software for freelancers. That's ridiculously easy to use. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. 
Uh, FreshBooks automates late payment email reminders so you can spend less time chasing payments and more time working your magic. I know you talked about that, David, on an episode not too long ago, how you had to chase down clients who hadn't paid. And FreshBooks also, when you email a client to an invoice, it shows you whether they've seen it, which puts an end to the guessing games. You know that they've looked at the invoice and you know whether they've paid it or not. Uh, If you're listening to this and you're not using FreshBooks yet, I want to encourage you, now is the time to try it. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash free agents and enter free agents in the how did you hear about us section. Thank you, FreshBooks, for supporting free agents and Relay FM. You know, Mike, for almost everybody that goes through what you have, there's usually a point somewhere, you know, where they realize, oh, wait a second, I'm actually going to quit my job and and take this on full time now. And you talked about being at the cabin where you, that's kind of which inspired you to get the book writing and start dipping your toes. But at what point did you realize, no, this is now going to be my thing? That's a good question. Well, I think when I started doing work with Asian Efficiency, that gave me a lot of confidence. Um, as I was working with Asian Efficiency, I was helping update the OmniFocus Premium Post product that they sell. That led to me uh, being able to present at the MaxDoc conference. Now, I guess it was three years ago. Uh, while I was there, I presented and I got some fairly positive feedback from the people that were there. So that gave me enough confidence to walk up to Don and be like, hey, I want to create videos for you. <laughs> and uh, really just these doors that have opened along the way, I felt like I've had to walk through them just to see if I could do them. Now, obviously, that can be dangerous, too, because you can get to the point where you're overcommitted, you're doing too many things. And so one of the things that I'm always considering is, okay, has has the has this thing run its course yet? And there have been a few things that I've had to have had to say, you know, this is something that I, I can't do anymore. And that's okay. But I guess the more that I see the opportunities that come before me, I mean, this podcast is one of those opportunities that like I never thought I would have this opportunity. And it's like, I got to give this a shot. I got to see if I can do this. And then every time that you do it, you develop more confidence. And that makes it easier to think of yourself as, yeah, I am a writer. Yeah, I am a a screencaster. Yeah, I am a a content creator or a podcaster. And yes, I can do this. And then at some point you said, hey, dad, we got to talk. Yeah, exactly. Uh, One of the books that I had read a while back, I forget the name of the book, but the author was Eric Fisher and Jim Woods. And uh, Jim Woods, I know in particular, has mentioned this a couple of times. He's, he said at one point, your side hustle has to become your main hustle. And I agree with that. If you are doing something on the side, and this is the thing that you're quote unquote passionate about, at some point, you've got to, if that thing continues to grow, you've got to make that, that switch. Uh, I think that if you've got a, a side project and you've got an outlet for this thing and you're, you're doing this thing, but it's and it's it's successful and you're holding it back because you're so committed to this other thing over over here but your heart's really in this thing that's on the side at some point you've got to be willing to to make a leap so regardless of how how secure the situation looks and I think even if you've got a bunch of different side hustles going on and they're all successful there's still going to be that moment where it's scary and you're going to have to make that jump and you're going to have to let some things go and that, for me anyways, was terrifying <laughs> because, like I said, I've got kids at home, I've got a mortgage to pay. I take that responsibility very seriously. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't want to, I, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen. In fact, after I joined the Asian efficiency team, 
Uh, shortly after that, one of the co-founders left the company and there was uh, a state of flux there where we didn't know what was going to happen. Is this going to fold up overnight? <laughs> you know, and then what do I do? <laughs> um, and I, I feel confident sharing that because we've shared it on the podcast, things like that. I won't go into all the details, but it was, it was a little bit of a, of a turbulent season. Um, but I, I stuck with it. You know, we're, we've made it through, we're on, on an upward tra- trajectory now, but for a, for a while, like you've just got to have the confidence that like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to give it a fair shot. I'm not going to try this thing once. And then if it doesn't work, you know, if we go back to the other thing, I think that regardless of what you're going to try to do, there's going to be, so there's going to be a couple ingredients that are required. One of them is going to be consistency. You've got to do it long enough to create a habit and see where that is going to take you because that's going to leverage the the compound effect. And uh, you know, if you don't see the results after a couple months, then then maybe you say, okay, this isn't this isn't going to work. But I, you know, I would think that a common trait among a lot of people that um, that are interested in becoming a free agent is that they're hard workers. I mean, I, I think that you know, getting up two hours early to write a book or do whatever your side hustle is, I'm sure there's a a lot of stories with our listeners right now that are doing something just like that. They have a job where they're making a salary. Maybe they've got a wife or, or a husband and kids and they've got commitments, but they've also got this passion thing they're pursuing. And, and I, I don't know if I'd agree that you have to make that your main thing. Eventually, I think for some people it may just not be possible, or maybe it's just, it's, it's a bridge too far for them. I, I don't think you have to, but I understand the sentiment of it. But the other thing I would say is for, because so many people who listen to our show are really hard workers, I think that they they forget the fact that if they try something, they can still go back to the old thing if it doesn't work. Um, like you, I mean, it, you it, it were in an ideal situation in some ways. I expect your dad, if things had not worked, your dad probably would have hired you back. And um, for me, I know that I was a good lawyer. And if things didn't work out, I could probably go find a job somewhere. And I think that's true for a lot of our listeners, too. I, I think it's, it's a difficult thing. I, like I say on the show all the time, I hate it when I get these emails uh, from people saying, oh, I'm, I quit my job because of you. I can't wait. And it makes me so nervous for you because <laughs> I, <laughs> right. you know, I, I, but at the same time, I love getting those emails because it, it tells me people are willing to take that risk, too. So it's really hard. But the, um, uh, it is a, um, it, it is a, it's, it is a very stressful time when you make that decision and when you go to, the existing employer. I can't, I can't imagine how much harder it would be if it was your father, honestly. Yeah. Uh, the thing I would, I would advise everybody is like you said, you want to, you want to not burn any bridges. You want to leave a way back if this thing doesn't work out. And, uh, honestly, the, the main point that I'm, I'm trying to make is you have to be willing to bet on yourself. So like I got to the point where I'm working full time at the family business. I'm working part time with Asian efficiency and I really like the work that I'm doing in Asian efficiency. I'm growing a ton here. This is just like the perfect culture fit for me right now. And so I had to, I had to flip those two. You know, I started working full-time with Asian efficiency, part-time with the family business. And truth be told, I still help out a little bit here and there because I was a big part of everything that went on in the family business. So it took quite a while to shift things over. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want the business to just disappear because now I'm, I'm not there anymore. So training up people to do things and creating systems so that people can do this stuff that, that I was doing. But the main point is you got to be willing to bet on yourself. I think a lot of people, speaking from my own personal experience, like that's where I was, where I've got this thing, which is safe. I've got this other thing, which 
if I really believe in myself, could be huge and could really just be like a perfect fit and could really be fulfilling, could help me be more successful on every single level, not just monetarily, but like I really want to grow myself. One of my big things is uh, Jim Rohn had mentioned at one point, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Okay. Well, that's what I do at Asian Efficiency. I mean, like I can expense books to the company. <laughs> like I, they send me, sent me to Entree Leadership a few weeks ago. Like they're invested in me as a person because everything that I do to better myself translates into everything that I create over there. So like for me, that's the ideal thing. And that's the thing I think that's interesting with my perspective here as free agents is, yeah, I'm doing all of these things. I'm developing my skills. Am I going to be at Asian Efficiency in five years, 10 years? I don't know. But I've gotten enough confidence from doing this thing and they've invested in me enough as a person that I've seen the growth in myself over the last several years that I now have the confidence to say, you know, if, if Asian Efficiency were to sell tomorrow, they're going to disappear, whatever. I now have enough confidence that I could go out on my own and do something. And I think that that's the important thing for anybody who's considering, quote unquote, making the leap is bet on yourself, bet, control the things that you can control. And the one thing that you can control is whether you're approaching things through a growth mindset. How do I get better? How do I tweak this thing? How do I become more excellent? How do I make my skills more valuable to the marketplace so that I can charge more for them or whatever, so that I can go live my dream, you know, my ideal future? Like that's the thing you can control regardless of where you are and how that manifests. That really depends on like what you're looking to get. What does your ideal future look like? You know, for a lot, a lot of free agents, I think they probably think I want to have flexibility in my schedule. Someone like me, they want to have the ability to spend time with their family. You know, I'll take a day off, go to the museum if they want with their kids. Like I have the ability to do that. So my situation, you know, even though I'm technically working for a company and doing all these other things on the side, like, I'm living the life that I want. I've, I've designed the life that I want. Uh, and that's possible for everyone. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I actually wanted you as a co-host, Mike. Because see, for me, it took me t- over 20 years of working in the corporate environment to finally get, you know, get the strength to bet on myself. And when I did, my you know, almost immediate reaction was, damn, I should have done this like 10 years ago or more. And you started relatively early in your career. So... Uh, I think that's an interesting voice to have on the show, especially as we talk to guests going forward. But another reason I thought you'd be a good co-host is that, you know, you're not a guy living in your parents' basement. I mean, you have real stakes in your life. And, um, well, let's just talk about that a little bit. I mean, you have five kids, Mike. I do. I've got five Five kids, kids. four boys who are 10, eight, six, and four. Uh, in fact, at, at one point I was a guest on, uh, Brett Terp shows systematic and he, he is kind of funny because he's like, you have four kids, two, four, six, eight, every two years we procreate, <laughs> not <laughs> the goal, go. but we've got four boys and then uh, a little girl who's uh, eight months old as we re- record this. And, uh, the realization I had was that they grow up really fast. I know everybody says that until you've got kids and you see them growing up before your eyes though, like you don't really get it. And uh, like I said, I wanted to have the flexibility to take the day off if I wanted to. Uh, I really believe in the power. I hate the term, but the idea of like teachable moments where recognizing what's going on and, you know, you can tell your kids a thousand times, pick up your room. They're not going to get it, but you can tell because kids like they're, you can read their faces. You can tell exactly what they're feeling, at least till they get to be teenagers. And uh, you can tell when, okay, now is the time 
to really talk about this thing because it's really going to stick. I wanted to be able to do that. I want to be able to have a platform in my kids' lives as they get older, as they become teenagers, as they go to college or get a job or whatever they're going to do. And I realized that I need to be able to build it. I need to be building that platform right now. I can't wait until it's convenient for me. So I was trying to figure out how am I going to do this and uh, just put that thing first. I mean, what it comes down to for a lot of people is that you can do and have really anything that you want, but you have to put it first. You have to prioritize it. It's the Stephen Covey idea of the big rocks. Like you have to figure out what's important to you and you got to put it into your jar and you got to be okay with all the other stuff that doesn't fit. And so that was, that was it for me is like, I wanted to be able to have that time with my kids. I also wanted to discover who I really was, you know, find my unique ability as Dan Sullivan would put it. And I knew it wasn't going to be <laughs> as a salesperson. <laughs> and uh, I do believe by the way, that the, the sales salesperson persona gets a bad rap a lot of times. A lot of people think of like the salesperson as a used car salesman, but yeah. really, if you want to be a leader in any area of your life, you've got to be a salesperson. I tell everybody who's been married, you've sold yourself at least once. <laughs> well, I, I even tell young lawyers, I said, you, you got to realize you're a glorified salesman as a lawyer. If you're going to go and stand in front of a jury and try and explain the case to a way to get them to go along with you, you're selling. I mean, it's just that that's what it is. Yep, exactly. And so I've always believed in the power of, of leadership. And as I have tried to develop my leadership skills, I realized that leadership is really sales. And so uh, it's really selling people on the idea, whether they are you know, people in your congregation and you're the, you're the pastor or whatever, the priest, or if it's your kids, your wife, uh, and your family, you've got to sell them on the idea that you can help them get where they want to go. And so that's kind of what I discovered along the way as I'm trying things and figuring things out is you know, what is my unique ability? What am I really good at? Kind of what is the the reason that I'm here? What I've kind of landed on based on like the core values, the mission statement, the stuff like that, which I know you mentioned a little bit ago, David, that you were you were working on that sort of thing is I want to help people answer the question, why am I here? By inspiring, encouraging, and teaching them how to discover their destiny, connect to their calling, and live the life they were created for. And I think that in order to do that, obviously, I've got to be willing to step out there. Well, you did it. You did it with five kids and all these commitments, and it's been working for you. I mean, uh, we've talked about this throughout the show, but I mean, so what Mike's doing these days, he's he's a writer and I guess an administrator over at Asian Efficiency, where tons of good productivity content and, and other good content. You're making screencasts for Don McAllister over at Screencast Online on software products. You've got your book. You've, uh, you're a podcaster. You've got three. Mike, you wrote in the notes you have two podcasts, Bookworm and Productivity Show, but you actually have three now. You're on the free agents, so I'm so happy <laughs> have to, to have get you. a fracture from my wall. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, by the way, uh, Mike mentioned that he's going to MacStock. Uh, turns out I am too. So if you're listening to this show and you're a Mac nerd, you're going to MacStock in July in Illinois. Both of us are going to be there. And I have ordered stickers. So if you're nice to me, I will give you a free agent sticker. All right. Um, let's take a, a quick break. There's some more stuff I want to talk about. But before that, I want to uh, mention our second sponsor today. And that's our friends over at Casper. Uh, this episode of Free Agents is brought to you by Casper. Casper is the company focused on sleep. And they're dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. 
You spend a third of your life sleeping, and you should spend a third. I don't want to hear about you guys sleeping five hours a night. It's not going to work. Uh, so if you spent a third of your life doing anything, you'd want to make sure it's the best it can possibly be. And that's why you need a Casper. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. It's got all the right support in all the right places. So what goes into making a Casper mattress so comfortable? They combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce. Casper mattresses are designed and developed in the United States, and their breathable design helps regulate your body temperature throughout the night. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. And I'll tell you what, I did that. I got one. I've been sleeping on it for years. I love my Casper mattress. I sleep on it every night. And with over 20,000 reviews and an average rating of 4.8 stars, Casper is very quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Uh, so they've got that 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. You don't have to go to some creepy store and lay on a mattress for like two minutes while other people are walking around you and try and decide if this is going to work or not. Just order one. They deliver it to you directly in your door. They've got this cool box that comes in, and it like uh, you open it in the room, and it just expands. Uh, I, we've got the queen size. It was great. I carried it upstairs by myself. It's just an awesome experience. But the best part about a Casper mattress, in my opinion, is they're really nice to sleep on. Um, so we, like I said, we've been using ours for a long time. We tried a, a couple different mattress technologies. Never were really happy. And now uh, I've got the Casper, and it solves all my problems. I was up in San Jose uh, a couple weeks ago, Mike, and I had I stayed at a pretty nice hotel, but I couldn't wait to get home and get back on my Casper. It's like my body is just used to that great mattress, and when I have to sleep on something else for a few nights, I feel it very quickly. You can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash free agents. That's one word, casper.com slash free agents. And using free agents in all caps, in one word, at checkout. Terms and conditions do apply. So once again, that's casper.com slash free agents and offer code free agents. And thank you, Casper, for all of your support of this show. Mike, so you've been at this a little while, and you know, uh, I think the listeners are already getting a good feel for uh, what you're passionate about and what brings you here. But I thought I'd just ask you a couple questions. I know that you're early in your journey, but what's the biggest lesson you've had so far going through this? Biggest lesson so far, I think, is that you don't know what you're capable of. Uh, like I mentioned a couple of years ago, I wasn't a writer. I became a writer, and then I wasn't a video producer. I became a video producer. I wasn't a screencaster. I became a screencaster. I wasn't a speaker. <laughs> I became a speaker. I wasn't a podcaster, and you know, and that's like that was a very short period of time that all of those individual steps took. Uh, but it required being intentional and applying myself to whatever thing happened to be next on the journey. I was yeah. okay with the fact that things were changing and it wasn't exactly what I quote unquote signed up for. Um, but being willing to push yourself to try the next thing will, will, you'll surprise yourself. One of the big things I learned was like when I joined the Toastmasters group, uh, at the time I joined the Toastmasters group, I really wasn't podcaster yet. You know, I had helped start the productivity show at Agent Efficiency, but I wasn't the host yet. There was another guy who was the host of the show for the first hundred or so episodes. And uh, I was just like anybody else. I was terrified of public speaking, but I was like, I, I just have to see if <laughs> see what this does. And I got up and I gave a couple speeches and I saw pretty immediate 
and rapid growth. Um, I had a, a Toastmasters is a great environment because everybody there is supportive, anyways. But I really got some positive feedback, and I could see myself the the growth and the the confidence that I was gaining from doing that, and that translated into success not just in webinars or speaking when I had to give a presentation, but in podcasting. Um, I, I didn't really expect that, but it really did help. So a long version of saying, you know, and sharing my experience, but the the biggest lesson is don't be afraid to try something because you have no idea where it's going to lead. So as a free agent today, what's your biggest worry? My biggest worry uh, is kind of unfounded because it's the biggest worry that you would have if you were in a quote unquote company too. But just uh, what if this goes away tomorrow? (laughs) Uh, With the internet, especially uh, a lot of stuff that's on there, like you don't really know what the next thing could be that could suddenly wipe out whatever you happen to be doing. Uh, And, uh, but if you think about it, I mean, I'm in more control of my situation now because I've got several of these things going on and I've been developing my skills, which can translate to other areas, as opposed to if I had been in a company, uh, even if it's a family company and I'm doing this thing, you know, markets are going to change. Even in that situation, you don't have a guarantee that you're going to have a job a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. So again, bet on yourself and develop your skills. Yeah, a uh, uh, running theme through this show, and even go you know back into the shows we did with Jason, is you need to be willing to pivot and adjust if you're going to do this if you want to survive. And in fact, uh, having worked on the outline for the episode in two weeks, I'm about to make a significant pivot in my business. So it's uh, it's just the way it goes. Um, so anyway, going forward, what are we doing with the free agents? Uh, uh, as you can tell, I think Mike's going to be a great co-host for the show. I'm so happy again, once again, Mike, that you said yes when I asked you to come on and and do this show with me. Um, the uh, uh, you know the I feel like free agents is is in good shape. We covered kind of the basic inventory shows already with Jason about things like getting insurance, and we talked to a tax guy, and you know a lot of the basics, and that that stuff is still relevant. Occasionally, we're going to go back and hit one of those single topics again when we think things have changed enough that we need to update them. But the real uh, model for con- we're going to and we're also going to continue with the guest shows, and the idea is every month we're going to have a, a content show and a guest show, just like we did with Jason. And the um, uh, next episode fifty one is going to be a content show. Today, I just wanted everybody to get to know Mike and how great he is. Um, but so going forward, we're going to add something to the content shows. We're going to try and have a, a themed topic going forward. And like, for instance, the, the theme, uh, in episode 51 is going to be about eating a frog and, uh, don't, don't search it on the net. If that information is out there, I want you to be surprised, but it's going to be fun. We're going to talk about eating frogs. And, but then we're also going to talk about our own continuing challenges like Jason and I did. And we're going to continue to include your feedback. So please keep it coming. Uh, on the topic of feedback, uh, the uh, um, Free Agents FM Twitter account is still operating and running. In fact, I got some notes on it today. Um, the My plan is we're, we're leaving the Facebook group up temporarily, but that is eventually going to go down, and we're going to set up a, a discourse forum. Uh, I just don't, I'm not comfortable with Facebook anymore, and I just don't want to be part of it, so blame me. But the uh, but I think the discourse forum is going to be great and it's going to be a better resource. It's going to be more searchable and, and give you a lot of, of good stuff. Uh, for guest shows, we have many excellent guests planned. 
Um, I got a note on Facebook from a listener saying, Hey, well, you should get a, a female co-host. And I totally appreciate that. I've got, you know, female co-hosts on some of my other podcasts and, uh, but Mike was just such a great, great fit for the show. But I, I will tell you that we are making big efforts to bring in some really smart women and we've done that always on the show and, and we will continue to do so. And, uh, that's kind of the plan going forward for free agents. Mike, you got anything to add to that? No, I'll echo the uh, not on Facebook thing, though. So you can blame it on me if you want. Okay, well, whatever. I, I don't think there's any reason to blame, but but we're going to make something better that is a, a, a true resource for free agents. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing that. But just with timing and, and some travel with the summer, it's going to be a couple months before we really get that launched. Uh, but anyway, that's it, uh, gang. Uh, I'm so happy to have Mike Schmitz on the show now. We're starting a new era, and we have much to look forward uh, we are the free agents. You can find us on Twitter at free agents FM. Uh, Mike, what is your Twitter handle? I'm bobblehead Joe, which is a long story, but easy to spell. At some point, we're going to get that story out of you. I'm Max Sparky. We'll see you in a fortnight.